Welcome to the King Bentley Podcast. I'm your host, Darnell. If this is your first time listening, thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. This week's guest is my cousin, Andre. He joined me again for a follow-up conversation to our conversation in episode 14, where we discussed his precious metals business down in Atlanta, Georgia. So if you're in the Atlanta area, feel free to stop by, say hello, and check out the metals he has to offer to you and sell some gold and silver and coins for that matter. Today's episode, we discussed a slew of different topics. Started off talking about a little basketball, speaking about LeBron and his greatness and the overall genius of athletes in itself. And then the conversation evolved into many other things. We spoke about him being a father to two young children. We spoke about developing a sense of community within the black community, socialism, capitalism, pride, ego, the list goes on. There's so many things, so many topics that we touched in this episode. This is by far one of my favorite episodes, I must say. I must say, if nobody else is going to give me the credit, I definitely do feel like I'm getting better with this shit. Humble brag, humble brag. But um, I was right about one thing in the episode. I was right. I was right. Team LeBron did indeed win the All-Star game. I thought Giannis was going to win the MVP, but in retrospect, there's no way for Team LeBron to win and Giannis to win the MVP because that means that Team Giannis would have to win in order for Giannis to win the MVP. But you get the point. Kevin Durant won the MVP. How much that means to him, I don't know. I don't think Kevin Durant even cares about accolades like that anymore. MVPs and uh, scoring championships and things of that nature. I think he just wants to win championships. And I think he wants to put himself in a position where he can say that he was the only player to ever do something. That being said, the only way that he can do that is by coming to New York. And I don't know, I don't know if you guys watched, I don't know if you guys saw the All-Star game, but when they were giving Kevin Durant the award, I saw Kyrie ever touch his head real quick, rub his head real quick like a shit little fella. That said New York all over it. <laughs> I didn't even go gas myself, but you know, as a Knicks fan, you gotta find anything to cling to. You gotta find anything to cling to. Nonetheless, if we if, if they do come, I'm walking I'm welcoming them both with open arms. And I look forward to seeing that. As far as the All-Star game itself, I, I enjoyed it. It was cool. It was cool. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, they played defense every now and then. They didn't play defense. They didn't, they didn't really play defense until the second half of the game, of course, as they always do. It was, a, it was a couple of highlight plays. We've seen better All-Star games in the past, though. But, I mean, all in all, this the, 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 the this All-Star format is much better than having East versus West, being that the Western Conference is very saturated and, and top-heavy as far as talent. And um, there's, there's really no other better option or no, no better format to have the all-star game in than to have them play a pickup basketball style game so if you're looking for like a regular season game or if you're looking for a playoff intensity game with all-stars it's never gonna happen because you gotta understand that the all-star break is their break <laughs> they're technically on vacation right now they're still doing all-star weekend and participating in all-star weekend for the sake of the fans so that we can enjoy it and have something to to you know laugh at and create rumors about for the weekend but come on now nobody's trying to go out there and get injured these guys are on contracts with their respective teams so they're not gonna go as hard the game will never be a great playoff matchup between all-stars the game will never be a great regular season matchup between all-stars because this is too much on the line I didn't, I didn't, I'm not even going to front, I missed the entire All-Star Saturday night because I was busy getting smoked in my church league, we're not going to talk about that, and um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't care to watch the rookie sophomore game either, but um, I, I will say though, I'm very happy that there's no basketball until Thursday, because now I could do other shit at night time instead of watching 
Game of Thrones is coming back soon. To all my Game of Thrones fans, this is the perfect time. This is the perfect time right now to use these couple of days when there's no basketball to watch to binge watch Game of Thrones so that when the final season comes out, we ready and we on point. We, we ain't missing any cues, we ain't missing any Easter eggs, nothing like that, because it's the time we're going to use to watch it. Or you can just catch up on episodes of the King Melly podcast that you haven't listened to yet. The choice is yours. But enough from me for now is the conversation with Andre. So, so how how would you describe yourself as a, as a basketball player now? Because you're in your mid thirties, probably not as quick as you used to be. I'm in above <laughs> or average shape. Or well, I'm I'm an above average shape because I'm a, I was I am a gym rat. The only thing that slowed me down is the fact that um, we had a loss in the family, and we just had a child. And even that, what. That's not what slowed me down. What slowed me down is I had the procedure um, the Friday before the Super Bowl. Right. So because of that, that's what's really slowed me down. Um, so 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 prior to you having a procedure, prior to you having a procedure um, yeah. before the Super Bowl, how are you able to stay in shape <laughs> even in your mid thirties or your early thirties? You got a kid now, well, two kids now. Dedication. How you still find the time? How you still find the time to go to the gym and pull up? The doctor's gonna tell you one of two things. If you're in any kind of, you either work out and take care of your body, or you're gonna find yourself in problems if you're going to the doctor. So I'm being proactive on that. I like to look good. Basketball is that one thing that helps me deal with all my problems. Good anger management helps me keep in shape, all of the above. Um, I don't know. Matter of fact, I'm not going to say I don't know. I know for a fact that if I don't play ball, I don't function right. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's been there for me since 17. I mean, since high school. Because I was, you know, playing backyard ball. When I moved to Georgia, it's something I leaned on heavily because I didn't really know anybody. It's different in Atlanta from New York. People don't come outside and play. So one thing I got my parents to do is get me a basketball hoop and I played a lot of ball. Um and never st- I mean college I never stopped. Got out of school, so never stopped. I mean, this is the first period in my life like from last May till now is the longest period I haven't consistently worked out in 10 years. And worked out workout means lifting weights, playing ball. Training constant. I mean, training. When I say training, but taking care of my training body. Training as if you still have a shot to make it to the NBA. No. Or at least compete in G League. All right. So I used that wrong. Training would be <laughs> like I had a shot to make it to the NBA. If I if I if I got a phone call, somebody said, "Hey, you got a shot." Coming into probably age thirty-two, which is a couple years ago, but a, a lot changed as far as my physical ability between then and now if somebody said hey i want to give you a shot at a league i would say give me two three weeks wait so what you're saying is two years ago at age 32 if somebody gave you the opportunity to compete in a professional basketball league not a pro-am league not your average everyday recreational center league but a professional basketball league you would take them up on the opportunity hell yeah 
No questions <laughs> asked. Basketball is the one thing if they said, we're going to pay you nothing, but you get to do this, I would say, where do I sign? Well, the, well, there's a lot of leagues. There's a lot of professional leagues to choose from, I might add. So when yeah. you say professional leagues, do you mean like G League or something overseas? Yeah. What, level of, what level of competition are you The only about? thing that would stop me is the fact that I have a family. I have an obligation that requires me to be there physically. So not not the fact that you can't compete, but the fact that you have a family. The fact that I have a family. a father and a husband. Yes. That is what would stop me. And And even then... If my wife and I didn't have a child, she would be like, I knew this was coming. I'm not even going to ask any questions. <laughs> I mean, how are we going to make this work? Because conjugal visits are necessary. I'm, I'm, I've never been that big. <laughs> so, but in all honesty, that's that's how deep my passion for basketball runs. Um, people... Shout out to Andre Ingram, 32-year-old Laker. <laughs> from last season that he was called up from the G League and it was his first time ever playing in the NBA but he never quit never settled on his goal and he got the opportunity to play in the NBA even if it was for about 32 minutes at least he did it exactly even if I could just do it and play for a 10-day contract I can at least scratch that off the list as I've done it I've tried no one can take that from me right Master Plea paying the Master P played in the NBA. The first thing I was about to think about is Master P and and what he did. I mean, you can say you've done it. Because at the end of the day, if you're the 12th man down, you are still 1% of players that have ever, I mean, ever played in a year or whatever. Because there are how many thousands of players out there every year? People that think that they can make it. I know guys right. that I play with on a regular basis that think I'm garbage. But I tell people all the time, people say what they want to say. When they're catching the L and you're winning, that's what you, you're doing something. Right. You're doing something right. You're doing something right. And the only reason why I think I have a vengeance on a lot of other guys is God bless me with length. I'm 6'3". I got a wingspan like Pierre Paul. And I'm the same. Matter of fact, I'm pretty. <laughs> Who's Pierre Paul? Um, from the Giants. I'm I'm disappointed. Okay, okay. I'm disappointed. Oh, you mean you mean Jason Pierre Paul? I, yeah. I wasn't even. Well, when I heard Pierre and when I heard Paul, I, I thought you were trying to. I thought you were referring to Paul Pierce, but yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I use him because he has like an abnormal like wingspan. Wingspan works. Shouts to him being able to continue his NFL career despite playing with fireworks. It, exactly. But I. One day we were in the office and they said, "Yo, this dude's wingspan is this." And I said, I wonder what mine is. And when we measured, I think his is like 70. I think mine was like 72, fingertip to fingertip. So mm. DNA, I was I was always like, you know, I always felt that I had a better advantage than other people. And my heart and motor made me different, even though people feel that they're better. If you don't believe in yourself, no matter what, you know, I don't really care what you have to say. There's very few times that I've played ball and been like, I can't take the best player on the other team. As you should always have. Most times when, when GMs are looking for players to draft, they're looking for that player that's going to compete every single possession despite winning or losing. Exactly. There's a way to win every game. And something else that I always say to a lot of people, I don't understand how guys don't make it 
insert to some level or say that they've been at to, at to a certain level they play d2 d3 d1 juco whatever and they've also played g league or you know they played overseas and some of the things that they do this is what i always thought what made me different some of the things mm-hmm. that they do i've been like how do you make that kind of mistake how do you not see the game at this level if you made it to this level like you should be able to look at, at a team and be like, tell me what the stats you know on on their f- best five guys, or the guys that you're playing in pickup ball. You should be able to, I, if you play with guys on a regular basis, you should be able to look at each guy and be like, I know what he does well, what he does bad, et cetera. Et cetera. You should be able to give me a full scouting report on everybody that you play with on the team. Pretty day. much, but that also depicts. This is a trend, you know. This is this also depicts what or how these people handle life. A lot of the NBA players, people forget, are geniuses. Because you just see geniuses in what sense, though? On a general, you against society, their um, photographic memory, um, their um, muscle memory, their ability to deal with pressure, um, their ability to cope um, with a lot of things being thrown at them, being able to process, articulate. And right. it's funny you say that because I feel like a lot of times when people think of genius, they don't associate it with the abilities that one's body may have. All the things that you mentioned are like our bodily functions in the sense of like, oh, muscle memory. Well, or being, or having no. Fat photograph. Memory, I'm sorry, their mental ability as far as intelligence. A dummy can't do these things that, that, that I'm talking about. Right. So I'm talking about somebody throws a question at you. You have three to four seconds to pull through a plethora of different automated responses that you're having. Your adrenaline is still pumping. Technically speaking, they're better than these so-called academics. Because the academics... Right, because most times academics have time to prepare. Exactly. You're being called upon to to answer questions as soon as the game is over. Two three seconds, not two three seconds. Uh, about about maybe an hour max after the game is over. Exactly. The, the audience, the public is so spoiled that they need to know what you're thinking right away as soon as it happens. And not to mention, you're also being called upon to memorize multiple playbooks in high pressure situations. As you said, their te- their stress tolerance is amazing. Most people that call athletes stupid because are stupid. <laughs> most, I mean, most of them. It takes. But like you said, they're, they've memorized plays. They're running on adrenaline right now, which helps or hurts their situation. They, they're physically, they're physical, physically in pain. Mm-hmm. And their, their pain tolerance, their pain threshold is amazing. It's exactly. crazy. So they're doing all these things as athletes considered stupid, but they're actually geniuses. And they're actually super. They're actually superhumans as well, too. When you think about it, exactly. And then, and then you have stars, and then superstars. Right, like, like anything else in life, there's levels to it. Exactly. Like you're talking about Dragon Ball Z. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know he's like Super Saiyan. Then he can go to level. I mean, there are moments where I tell people 
in a window, you're witnessing somebody harness the essence of what it means to be human and put everything into a, like a window and they're able to physically control their body on a razor's edge. Because think about it, a jump shot, um, they're running a play, they have three seconds to do this one activity and your muscle memory, they're, they're shooting jump, I mean, they're leaning to the left, leaning to the right. They're they're running on an angle. They're doing physics calculations on the drop of a dime. Right, their body is doing physics calculations without without even thinking. Exactly, their body has memorized their body has memorized these angles to the point where it's effortless to them. Like think about shooting. Think about think about the muscle memory behind shooting a three point shot. I'm gonna call upon because this was a physics. I mean, this was like the best thing I've seen. The running jump shot that LeBron James put up on the Toronto Raptors. On, on the Toronto Raptors, you know what's funny about that jump shot? That's a that's a that's a shot that he integrated into his game for that season only. We have never seen LeBron use that particular shot until the 2018 season, which just passed. And since the season has started this year, we've never seen him use that jump shot again. We've seen him using a couple times in the 2018 season, and that one time in the playoffs, so a couple times in the playoffs, but that one time in particular where he took the ball 94 feet. Knocked down the jumper off the glass. He was he was driving left, Thank going you. out of bounds Thank left, you. Thank you. off the left foot exactly. with his right hand off the glass, off the top left, off the top left corner of the backboard. That exactly, is. sunk the ball and won the game. At the the level, that was a game three or game four. Think I don't about remember. the level of precision that you that just you need to have. Exactly, that you need to have, and that's a jump shot. Like I said, that's a shot that he literally. He probably practiced it hundreds and hundreds of times, but he she only lit, saw him use that jump in you one why. season I'm gonna tell and you in about why. three or four moments. So think about this. I'm going to tell you why that's not something he practiced hundreds and hundreds of times, that particular shot. Because he so he may have practiced a um, off-the-glass shot, like it to Tim Duncan. That off-the-glass shot is one thing. But the reason why I say he didn't necessarily have to practice it, it's a compilation of like four or five different exercises that he compiled into one in a split second. Mm. Because maybe you've practiced the running hook shot. That's one. Um, there's the hook shot. There's the floater. There's um, the bank shot. Those are three different shots I incorporated and somehow figured out a way to pull, technically speaking, what should have been an alley-oop. Right. With seconds to go. What a, what a way to lose a game at that, in the playoffs, by the way. Even though they got swept, but what a way to lose. I would go out and say that shot is the most epic shot that I've seen him take in his career. Even though, even though they went out and lost the series against the Warriors, I think that that shot to me is one of the biggest shots of LeBron James' career. You literally felt hope die right there on that shot for the Toronto Raptors. Like right. you felt the energy just be sucked in. Like like he tore your heart out. He pulled the Mortal Kombat move <laughs> on the Raptors. Now I wanted the Raptors to win. Not because I hate LeBron, 
but because they were, I think they as a team would have been a better opponent for the Warriors. You know, yeah, because they were they were a better team than the Cavs. But the thing is, LeBron literally has their heart. They're being being uh, Some, sometimes some people have your Kyle number. Lowry and Dwayne Casey. Yeah, right. He just he literally has their heart in his back pocket. Thank that was you. Never gonna happen. And that to me is like you know like people see Jordan over Russell. Um, Utah Jazz, that shot where he does the push off and the push off of a rear over Brian Russell. Yeah, about extended free throw line area. Yeah, in, it, in between the core, in between the key and the yeah, the top of the key and no the free man's throw land. Area. The worst no place to possibly land. shoot. When Jordan, every time you see that pick that that clip, you instantly feel like boom, like you see victory, you see defeat, you see it all right there. LeBron James on that shot to me escalated that to a whole other level because he literally took the heart out of a city. Toronto was there. They were yeah, there. I mean, see, it, it seems like it seems like LeBron really has a a, a a huge impact on cities. When he left Cleveland, he literally energy. He took a lot of jobs with him. Well, LeBron was essentially a stimulus package for the city of, of Cleveland. Yeah. So and Akron. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, um. We remember LeBron. I would say this as a critic. I mean, as a critic, to say I never felt LeBron was clutch for a very long period of time. I feel he's clutch now. What he did was he kept putting himself or his preparation so he could get all the stats, but he just couldn't end the game. His preparation. Mm-hmm. His perseverance, he kept putting himself into the situation where it's required of him to be the man. The critics were saying, oh, LeBron's passing too much. He's never a winner. He's yada, yada, yada. I promise you now, the young LeBron and the old LeBron, physical ability or not, I mean, like age, if it even seems like it's even affecting him. Right. Now, nah, well, it's starting to affect him now, I would say. Yeah, but him now, his clutch gene, it's like he it's, it's like he added to his power up. And it's like now, good luck betting against LeBron in a clutch situation. Perseverance. He prepared for that fourth quarter experience. And that's what makes guys different. Well, I mean, before... Before he can even get to the, to to this point of his career where he's finally considered clutch, it took a lot of failure, and that's the beauty in failure. Him constantly putting himself, or him constantly being in a situation. I wouldn't necessarily say he himself put himself in clutch situations, but his team being in close game situations forced him to eventually have to develop the clutch, the quote unquote clutch team. Well, 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 well. Remember now, remember now, because you said his, his team, team in those moments. So you're saying his team was in close situations. He did, and this is what makes LeBron different than a lot of the people, which is why he doesn't need a lot of good people necessarily. He, you said he, his team was in a good position. Cleveland didn't have good position in most situations. He put good position there. So he, he made it what it is. So he used to have to bring the ball up, set the play up, then finish. He couldn't bring the ball up run the play, and then finish. 
Now he's figured out how to bring the ball up, set up the play, and then finish. You see what I'm saying? So people talk like they were doing it before. I think he just, he didn't have, when people say he need help, he needed somebody to get, to do the first two so he can do the third. Right, so he could, well, especially now more than ever because he's he's older now, he's about 34 years old, his body's, yeah. and not, even though he's spending millions of dollars a year on his body, it's not the same body. Right, it's a, it's a lot more people at the top of the league. The league is a lot more top-heavy. And we'll definitely see that tonight in the All-Star game. The league is so top-heavy talent-wise that I hope he can't defense. coast through the league the way he once used to. So he definitely needs that person that's just going to do everything else for him and allow him to just do that last step, which is finish when he needs to and, and set his teammates up when he needs to instead of having to do it on every single possession. So one of the things I have um, written down is preparation for the fourth quarter experience. Mm. That's what makes people different from others, elite. I don't think it has a lot to do with physical ability, but you keep prepping yourself and prepping yourself and prepping yourself. When the fourth quarter situation occurs, you are able to deliver in that one to two minute window what everybody else didn't prepare for. Everybody else just has ability. They think they can, they have confidence. They think they can just do it. But did they prepare? We talked about the running jump shot. That's a lot of hours of preparation compiled into one. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reflect back to the Super Bowl. The game was garbage. On, on the surface, the game was garbage. Right. Next level up that most people aren't going to realize, you're going to realize that third quarter, Tom Brady, end of third, beginning of the fourth, Tom Brady said, okay, I'm going to deliver. And the preparation for the fourth quarter that you have seen throughout the years came to fruition. He got back to his basics. And he started surgically just dismantling and took them apart. So, LeBron, Kobe, Brady, these guys all do something. You see a compilation of their of their experiences at the end, and their preparation, meaning all the all the jump shots, all the playbooks, all this stuff, come together, and that's what they rely on at the end, which sets them apart from everybody else. There you have right. it. Right, and, that, and, that, and that's essentially what sets the people who succeed in the long term up from everybody else as well, too. Yeah. Because while everybody else is just playing, and while everybody else is just partying, I'm too busy making the music that they party into. <laughs> I mean... That was a drink. Yeah. That was a bar. <laughs> Man, but shoot. But that's, that's, I think that's one of the things that set people apart when you talk about failure and success. So it's funny because I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody after church and, and I was, and I was telling them that, you know, a lot of people are afraid to fail, but the biggest difference between my generation being able to fail and your generation She's probably a little bit older than you, but y'all, the previous generations is that you guys had the, the the luxury of being able to fail in peace. 
Granted, yes, people can still feel in peace now because you don't have to post every single thing on social media. But for some people, while they're continuously feeling, once they touch Instagram, and I always use Instagram as reference for social media because it's more of a visual platform than Twitter is. You know, Twitter, you got explain it. Explain what Twitter more, so a, Explain a little bit more. Explain um, feeling in peace. Feeling, feeling, uh, they had the luxury of feeling in, in privacy, I should say. I, I don't know ah, if I said peace or privacy, gotcha. but they had the luxury of feeling in privacy because, and know. even now, like I'm saying, even now you, you could feel in privacy. While you're feeling in private, you're going on Instagram right away and you're seeing everybody appear to be succeeding abundantly. So it, it, it kind of throws, it kind of throws off your, your mental clock, so to speak, because now you start to double, double and second guess yourself and say, yo, I'm far behind where I should be compared to where everybody else is. And, and, and it's funny because the self-comparison thing is something that we all practice, whether we recognize it or not, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's like we've, we've, for people, especially in their early 20s, we've been growing up on social media for so long that it's ingrained in us. It yes. is, to a certain extent, it is us. We will never be the same like, again. We're, we're literally addicted to it. So you guys had that luxury of being able to feel privately without the scrutiny of anybody else and without having to compare yourself directly with somebody unless you ran into them after what not seeing them for five, four or five years after graduating college or something of that nature so it's even so even when i every time i hear you know older generations talk down to the younger generation i just want to put into perspective for everybody the different obstacles right the different obstacles that each generation is, is has faced and how different we are built to be able to face those, op- those obstacles that we faced correct you are you are a hundred percent correct if the extra dynamic that you guys deal with is a lot different than the dynamic you like you said in peace you can you can go out you can fail someone can talk about you but when you got home it never let it never followed you there mm-hmm. here we are nowhere and everywhere at the same time right and it's against your own will you can say you don't want to deal with it or you don't want to be involved with it, but you'll be disconnected from society. <laughs> right. That's how you're connected. It's really, it's really a double-edged sword. It's exactly. nasty at this point. I, so, I, I never imagined it would get to this. But um, one of the things I tell people, um, and this is something I had to learn to deal with, um, which is why my wife said it's different from the same reason, because the same reason that, that you just gave, you're you want to not be on it, but you have to be on it. Um, I was the kid that got picked on. I was the kid that got clowned. You know, I was I, I was tall. I was um, nonviolent. You know, fighting fighting something that's unex- um, unacceptable by, by my parents. I don't I don't <laughs> want to hear I don't want to hear about you getting in trouble in school. Everybody else is doing what they feel like they want to do, but don't let the teacher call the house. Right. So, the kid that get picked on. These kids now, I'm like, I was the kid that got picked on. I've been jumped. I've been in fights. People fight you because you don't want to fight. Right. Now, you go home. How was your day? Eh, I was. I'm like, if you don't say nothing, it doesn't show up. But it follows you home now. I just can't be like, oh. You know, some kids picked. You know, they were making fun of me. But now, your 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 online profile, you're gonna hear people berating you from not just your school. You can't even leave the bubble. <laughs> right, and and it's funny because even if you do fail in private, this is something that we're starting to see 
we're not starting. It's something that we've always sold as celebrities. If, even if we do feel in private, now social media and the internet is there to amplify that failure. So you never forget it. So, I mean, I was able to build up a wall from an earlier age and I had to restart when I moved to Georgia. So at 16, my family, 15, 16, picked up and moved down south. So I was able to reset, be somebody else. But because you are who you are, my situation didn't change much. Pe- mm-hmm. People are people. I was still a kid that got picked on, probably not as frequently, but I got picked on still because of my takes on I don't want to fight. I mean, people just did things, and the things you did in high school, I just wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. I was focused right. on my books. Um, I like to play ball. I was stuck in between a lot of different worlds. I'm not I'm not studying enough, so I can't so I'm not exactly ninety, you know, keeping straight A's, but I don't play on the team, so I don't really fit in with them. You see what I'm saying? So I was stuck right. in between a lot of different things. And that put me in a situation where you're still back to where you were, even though I moved. But it gave me a it, it gave me a gap to be able to be the person I am today, which is um, very, I mean, I'm a people person. I can't go any place and really not know or run into somebody I know. Um, and if I was still, still in New York originally, I don't think I, that would be who I am today. But kids now, the reason I bring that up, they don't have any relief. There's no buffer. You can't be in a be a whole whole new person and really build yourself up. It, you're always being torn down. And the person I am now, I can say I don't really care. I don't really care what people say. People say things all the time. That's like, how is this relevant to the conversation we're having right now? I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, I'll give you a response, and people who want to be ignorant, it's like, what you, you don't really have anything to, you know to hold grounds on. But, like, the reason why I brought this stuff from when when I moved, now it's like you don't get that breather. You don't get that reset. You don't get to think who you are and try and be somebody else for a while. Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't happen now. Who you are follows you, and you have a profile as such. That digital footprint. Exactly. Well, so do you think that... Because I think, uh, uh, well, I of course I don't have all of the answers. I don't have a definite answer on uh-huh. how to combat social media. Okay. Because this is something that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Because I'm a victim of it as well, too. But I feel like it's for, for, you know, the younger generation who hasn't even touched social media yet. What if parents start to incentivize? Well, not even incentivize, but what if parents start to, like, put a focus on, you know, kids going outside more and kids interacting with other kids so that, or as a way to combat social media taking up for a valuable social time as these young 10-year-olds start to grow and become teenagers. I have a soon-to-be five-year-old. Our child will be five on March 31st. Today's February 17th. So I have right, a March 31st is pretty much tomorrow. I have a five-year-old. And you know what she does? She wants to be, she wants to get on YouTube and watch 
cartoon reviews, other cartoons. Um, you know, My Little Pony's trending at my house right now. Shout out to shout out to Madison for being able for being wise enough at five years old to know to watch a cartoon review before watching the actual cartoon. Car- oh, cartoon and toy reviews because it's a it's a thing. toy reviews. Both. So I'm saying cartoon reviews and toy reviews. But how, how does she even how does she even know to start searching these things? I'll be very honest with you. I came to my mother in law's house one day. She picks her up from school, and I'm assuming that it started off with like an Elmo. Um, when I say Elmo, Sesame Street, Doc McStuffins programming on YouTube. And when the show is done, they pipe you to something else. I say, you know, streamline you, I should say. Pipe you to right. Else. But they streamline you to something else. And the links lead to links lead to links. And our child is smart enough that she will basically, if she wants to go find the show, she'll start with a show that she wants. She swipes up. She sees what the next link is going to be. She remembers the pathway to get to what she wants because she can't spell yet. Wow. Because it's so she'll so first that she'll search that first show that she memorized how to spell and then just follow or, the path. Or no, no, or that, or that my mother-in-law will put on the screen, which is let's call it the appropriate content. She then remembers the path by which she used to get to the show she wants to see. And in doing so, now when she pops up YouTube, the, the show that she really wanted, those pop up now. Wow. And this is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> so. So now <laughs> I'm double that and you'll see you'll see the type of 10 year old that you Well, actually, you're smart enough. You'll know that in five years from now. Will you I have you have you have. <laughs> will, I? will you be prepared? I don't think so. So I'm going to go and tell you what I really think is the major important factor. Because limiting her screen time sounds nice when you got things to get done. But as a parent, build the house one brick at a time. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort that you really don't want to put out. But when she says, Daddy, read me a story. I take my happy behind over and, and I read her story. Do I want to be watching the game? Yes. <laughs> but you know it's more important for you to be reading her a story than Listen, to be watching the game. So, you get what you put in. I used to make sure I played my last game at 7 o'clock. Yo, I told the, I, I told the fellas 7.30. Yo, it's going to be... Um, Bath time in 30 minutes. So I got to go. Come home, make sure I give her her bath. Um, I make sure that I'm there. And, and we had a regular story time every night. And her expectation now is she either wants to play, watch one of her shows, one of her preferred shows on, let's say, Netflix or wherever. Um, mm-hmm. Or I read her a story. Those are the three things that she's going to want to do on every given, any given evening. And I make sure I police and adjust how much screen time that she's going to have. And you can say you want to monitor, you know, restrict his screen time, but it's really not going to be like that if you don't have a contingency game plan. So I make sure there are times where I tell her, mm, 
I saw you had screen time at Yaya's house. So we're doing a story tonight. But Daddy, I want to watch. That's not really your option. Pick a book. You've had enough. To, you've had enough screen time. And mm-hmm. and that's a regular conversation in our house. So people can say, "Oh, I, I don't like the way, way the way that my kid is on social media or on these things," but you never gave them options. Oh, I didn't have time. You had time. Everybody has time. If 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 the child is home, there's an adult with them. Right. So I tell my wife, she does the same thing because we all want to do the same thing. We all we all just want to decompress, dis, dis, disconnect from society for a while and go to another place. Nah. So and there are times where it's like we sit we sit down for example and have dinner, and while she's eating, one of us is reading, and we're just observing and having conversation, and now I know what's being inputted into my kid. So, well, it was hard to it's hard to always monitor what's being inputted in your kid because you're not with her while she's in school. Did she start daycare yet? Oh yeah, yeah, she's been in school. So, but yeah, you, Listen, you're not with her while she started daycare. We're doing lotteries and we're looking at private schools right now. She's in pre K. She can write. She can. She can scribble her name. She knows the months, colors, continents. I pay. We pay good money for uh, tuition. I'm gonna mm-hmm. call it. Every month, I I I I pay a nice car note or a, or or a basic or a basic mortgage for her every month because I feel that's something that is important to, um, that I should invest in for the future. Right. And if you're putting your money out, you're gonna want to make sure you you protect your investment. Right. <laughs> exactly. And 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 I see it as such because I don't want to have her on the comfy couch. At a later point in life, not saying that just because I pay for tuition is going to fix my problem, but it it meets me halfway while I put the other half in. Well, it's it's it's, it's really the, it's the effort that counts. At least it starts with the effort, like you said. Most people don't don't find the time that they need to invest in their children, and years after years of not of, of constantly neglecting them, it manifests into something yeah. much worse when they when they're old enough. And, start moving on their own and making their own decisions. And and I want the best for her. I want her to be the best. Um, is I guess more so more so what I should say. Um, and I know the amount of time that my village put into me, my parents put into me. Um, and I want to see the best out of her because there's no reason why she can't be better than me. But it don't come for free, meaning time, energy, effort. Um, whether I was putting up money for tuition or not, I tell people what I put in. You know, I think that's the foundation that, that has made her who she is. Um, I don't want her to have confidence issues. I don't want her to, you know, I see the way people people talk to women. I see the way um, women talk to other people. Um and then people look surprised, like, yo, well, why does she act like that? Or why does, you know, he act like that? Or, you know, mm-hmm. my expectation is I direct the narrative of who and what she's going to be. But my, and, and one of my major goals is to make sure that she can make her own decision. Um, I have no problem letting Madison fail at something. Um, 
we were outside on the front porch um, yesterday. Got home from church. Um, Danielle and Xavier had stayed home because she's just not ready to get out and about yet. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's an ant pile. We have a security sign one side of the walkway, ant pile on the other. Danielle says, Madison won't do that. We normally don't contradict each other. That's because we want to show face in front of the child. Right, you don't want to you don't want to confuse the child. Exactly. But I said, there, Maddie, understand that if you stick that pole in the ant hill and the ants come out, if they bite you, don't come to daddy and say the ants bit me because you were warned. That was my follow-up to Danielle, not really saying don't go in the ant pile because she did it but, anyway. But, ex- but finding a way to explain to her why she shouldn't go in the ant pile. I give Madison more explanation than I give her straight answers. And I'm honest with what the results will be. Well, daddy has screwed up and did this, and that's why it doesn't work well. I don't think it's a good idea for you to do. And I, and I make her make her own decisions. Because... I don't think giving them, dictating to them what they should and should not do works well long-term. Now, Right, because long-term it just turns into resentment when them, them never well, fully understand. Well, not just resentment. They can't make their own decisions. Mm. A lot of people don't make good decisions on their own. I want to give you the skill set to make the best decision possible for every circumstance that you're about to go through. And this is the difference between previous generations or people in general, where I think more people are successful than others. I tell you the mistake I made, and, and, and I don't lie to you, and I'm upfront. You know, daddy's messed up. Daddy was wrong. She, she did something, and I say, you know what, baby? I apologize. I was wrong. And I've been doing this since she was like two. She's two, and she said something. But, Daddy, you said, I said, baby, I apologize. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that to you. Um, I shouldn't have raised my voice. I shouldn't have been yada, yada, yada. So moving forward, her expectation and my expectation of her is on another level than most people. True story. Three weeks ago, I'm at a light. I'm at a junction. Road goes into a dead end, and the road splits left and right. There's a gas station on the left. I look at the light. There are about two cars in front of me, and I'm going to be making a left. I look at the gas station. I said, hmm, I can cut to this gas station get in front of these people. They look like they're going to be driving slow. I don't say anything. Madison in the, is in the back seat. I cut to the gas station, make it across, go on the street, and I'm up the street. Two cars are still at the light behind me. From the back of the car. Daddy, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I have not I have not told her what I've done. I have not disclosed that this is this is an illegal action. My nearly five year old says, Daddy, you shouldn't have done that. I don't want you to go to jail. Follow where she got that from. It doesn't at this point, it doesn't even matter 
because I then have to make a decision. Am I going to lie to my child like most people do? Because nobody wants to be wrong in front of their kid. And they want to give their kid some explanation as to why what they did was justified in their mind. So I say, baby, first of all, it's unlikely I'm going to go to jail. But this is where it makes me a little different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I, I, I then say to her, I look left, I look right, and I made an assessment that there are no cops and there are no other cars coming. So the likelihood of a cop catching me or me hitting anybody to have a car accident was very low. And I made a decision based on that because I didn't want to wait in front of those cars, wait behind those cars. She said, but daddy, that's illegal. I don't want you to she's go to getting jail. This, and she's getting, she getting all of this from My Little Pony. No, no, no. Not just My Little Pony. I mean, <laughs> I mean, she goes to school. She has conversations with, you know, my mother-in-law. She's having, you know, these kids are having conversations. And if you think they're right. not having conversations, they're hearing you have conversation. Right. Kids are not dumb. Some, exactly. Some, I think, I feel like I spoke to you like that. I, I feel like I, I mentioned that to you the other day about in regards to something. I was talking to my little cousin Talking yeah. to Yuri actually, and he's probably like seven, going on eight, yeah. and that's when I realized, yo, kids, kids pick up a, pick up on a lot more than, than adults give them credit for. Anybody can take this to the bank. They're they can't speak. They're not stupid. They may not be and, articulated, and, but they're not stupid. Right, and that's why you have to really be. You have to really be cautious of who you let around your kids because you don't want them the influence energies and you don't want them to be influenced by by um by wrong by you know negative people and things of that nature and it's funny because this is something that i've been thinking about for a while now Mm -hmm. and what i realized is by me growing up in church not only did it give me a sense of spirituality and, and help me develop a spiritual life but it also gave me a sense of community and what i'm starting to realize is or what i've realized is the reason why many the reason why black people as a, as a as a community are struggling is because we don't have a sense of community, period. And I'm starting to wonder, is that because a lot of people don't go to church? Not entirely or is true. that because churches are, are, are broken on their own? Or where can people find like a sense of community outside of the church? Church you know, was the number one person? place for black people. But what puts us apart is where West Indian. West Indians, Africans, um, non-Americans have a culture to lean back on. That's something that black America doesn't quite have. The church is all they have. They have no, like we have hip hop, yes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's enough. When when you look at white Americans, they say their family dates back to the the settlers, their family dates back to, um, you know, the Confederate army or whatever they pull, they always go back to something because it gives you a sense of pride. Your pride comes from somewhere. Our pride comes from being Jamaican. (laughs) Our people have a pride and we wear it, whether we know it or not, we're wearing it because our parents invoke it in us. We, if we were black American males, would have what to fall back on. A country that doesn't like us, doesn't want us, arrest us, we're scared to walk down the street, 
Um, the judicial system we know is stacked against us. Um, we're, we're wrong until proven right. What, what culture do you have? You have no pride. So there's nothing you have to fall back on to give you the pride that everybody else has. You see what I'm saying? So we're a little different. That's why we function different. And it's, you know, even, even though Jamaicans were slaves left on an island, we have a culture. Well, yeah, the first of all, there was a reason why we were on that island to be slaves in the first place. It was a different type of slave. Yeah. <laughs> we just had it. We were, the, essentially, what happened, well, I can't speak for the whole Caribbean. I'm yeah. Not going, I'm not going to but that. most, but most situations, that's fact, what it was. Right. For most situations, it was a similar situation to what happened in Jamaica. But pretty much, they casted a certain criteria or a certain personality group of slaves to these islands. And that's why these islands have such distinct personalities in, in, in society today. Yeah. And even even a place like Australia, for example, that was a place where the um where the British people who were in Britain who were like the prisoners uh, um outlaws and prisoners were sent. And that's why they have that the similar British accent. And that's why you will see like Australian people a little bit more edgy than British people, although they're kinda of similar in mannerisms exactly. and, and, and things of that nature. This is this is a good good touch on post traumatic situations. It's, it's it's almost like it's embedded into your DNA to be something completely different than everybody else just because of where you're from. You know, if you're from New York, you wear it like, I don't care what, a New Yorker goes anywhere, if somebody tests them, they always want to say or show that, that they're from New York and I don't yeah, take they're from that. New York. And I don't take that. So, you always have something to lean back on, your culture. Who, who, who you were meant to be. That's what your family designed you to be. Whether you know it or not sometimes. So. Well, it's, it's harder for some people, though, because not everybody can say that they were able or that they had the luxury of, of growing up with a strong family. That's why um, black men and women, American have a harder time getting a getting a grasp on who they are what what is expected of them how i'm going to cope with the stress of life um mm. you see a lot of people with this pan-african movement which is great you know ironically i haven't really paid much attention to the pan-african movement but I, I've, I've seen it and we i'll get to i'll get to it when i get it. to it we would have never thought about it because remember now marcus garvey is is, is west indian Yo, I'm, I'm, when that, well, I'm. I'll, I'll talk to you after. Make, make your point, and I'll. I'll yeah, but, but it, it, it enables you to fall back to a culture, something to, some place to call home. You don't feel like you're at home. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's no home. There are a couple of things that make people function differently. Um, the way their parents raised them. Did they have both their parents? Um, it's like a reservoir of strength. Religion. Is the closest thing we've had to a reservoir of strength, depending on which religion you were raised from. You see what I'm saying? We we mm -hmm. we we lean back on our faith to get us through diverse and um and I'm sorry, adverse situations. So we have our culture makes us stronger than psychologically stronger a lot of the times because we feel like our people 
told this. Our te- people told that they are um, strong, they persevere, they have multiple jobs. This is the stigma that I must uphold. Right. I'm saying stigma. Stigma is only a negative connotation, but this is what our people have been known for. You've lived it. Your family tells you as such. So you do your best to protect it. Right. Religion would do the same thing. But religion can only facilitate, a no, um, if you're, let's say, you're Christian, it only fills a couple of those slots. So moving forward, I mean, you only have so much that as a black American that you get from religion. Tells you how to, um, you know, give back with a sense of community, um, show love. But it doesn't tell you about pride. Most religion doesn't, I mean, they don't do pride. So, well, well, most religions tell you to move without pride to begin with, so. Yeah, there you there's go. There's that. Yeah, but you need it. You, you need it to function. What's gonna help? Well, you, you know, you know what, you know what I realized that that uh, people and <laughs> and it's funny because I, I guess that's probably why most people may feel as though I think people generally feel like religions are outdated because you know society is something that's constantly shifting and evolving. Yeah. So for you to have a religion that stands the test, the, step, the test of time, is a phenomenon or is an anomaly in itself, low key speaking. But what, what I what I will say is that I think a religions probably should adjust their stance on pride. And what they should they have their principles. They have their principles. Right, but I'm saying what what, the cornerstones. Right, what they should focus on more, and not not telling people instead of telling people to 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 maneuver and move through life without a sense of pride. But what they should start telling people, or what they should adjust it to tell people, is to move through life without such a big sense of ego. I think you'll see a, a, a shift in character. I think you'll see a shift in the way humans interact with each other. If you have pride and no ego versus you having such a big ego and no pride. What do you think about that? It is, the infrastructure is already there. We just don't actually abide by it or abiding by it doesn't help you actually succeed. We live in a capitalist society. That's a taking society. Either you take or a team of you take, but taking right. is done. If you are to be Christian, one of the models of, you know, um, the college I went to, Oakwood College, is we are here to serve. Something I live by is it's I mean it's 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 something I lived by back you know back then, and it's something I still live by. We are here to serve because you have a more fulfilling life when you serve. Right, but that would be considered a socialist mentality. It's frowned upon by media standards and political standards. It's frowned upon. You know, you know, it's crazy though. I think that I don't. I'm not. It's too early for me to speak on where I stand on socialism. I'm not gonna lie. What I will say is that when I was in high school, and I was a little bit more ignorant to the difference between socialism, capitalism, and all these other types of governmentistic mm-hmm. um, structures, I was always I was for, I was for this. I was for socialism. But yeah, like I said, now much me looking back and being older, like I would have to look at more. I would have to get more information before I definitively say socialism or capitalism. But to your point. I think it's possible for you to still be serviceable and still be a man of service in a capitalistic society. Even though it's frowned upon, it's still very possible. Capitalism. For you to do it. So so much to the point where you can even I'm listening, I'm sorry. 
Um, now I'm saying so much to the point where you can even run an organization based off service and still get capitalistic benefits from it. Yes. So um, <laughs> capitalism is kind of beautiful when you think well, about it. Well, it is. So what we've achieved is I'm trying to think of the scientific term, but when you <laughs> so so in algebra you have a curve. The curve starts; it gets gradual. At some point, the curve the curve cannot become inverted, which mm. is, but we're starting to cannibalize on ourselves, which is why you see all these acquisitions and mergers. The biggest fish is just right. feeding. So the system, which needs a reset, is not getting the reset. That's why you see these depressions, um, not depressions, um, crashes occur every um, every decade or so, the system can't maintain the rate that it's, that it's going at. Can't. And they're trying to globalize things more and more. It, the system is just not set up to sustain itself. It can't. Capital, capitalism is, capitalism is good. Socialism is good. Too in, much of both one, in, in theory, in theory. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but both more more of one than another is disaster. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, well, anything, anything too far or too right, too too far or too to the left or to the right is is always disaster. Because when you think about it, whether you're far right, whether you're far left, if you're on a boat, you're in the water. So it's never it's never good to be too far on either side. So do you know why religion is very um, religion can be good and bad from a perspective of um, there 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 are there are religions that want you to become balanced and at peace. Christianity doesn't promote balance and at peace the way you think it does. It's balanced and at peace as long as you think like me. That that's what Christianity does. Mm. And, and at their core, all religions are pretty much the same thing, though. Yes, I, was, but, I was thinking about this the other night because mm-hmm. I, I thought about it. I said that at its core, all religions are pretty much the same thing. At the end of the day, there's literally 7 billion different perspectives on this earth right now as we speak, if not more. Mm-hmm. And some, somewhere around it, there's literally 7 billion different people on this planet right now. There is no two people who are like even twins, something a little bit off about them. Yeah, there is literally no way in the world that everybody is going to abide by the same religion if there are no two people who are like in a planet full of seven billion different people. With that being said, if every religion is the same thing at their core, every monotheistic religion that is I'm speaking to is the same thing at their core and offering the same thing at their core. Wouldn't it make sense for there to be multiple religions? Wouldn't it make sense to say, okay, when God comes, multiple religions will be in heaven? Wouldn't it make sense to then say, okay? It would be very arrogant for me to say my religion is the end all be all. My religion is the only way to go with that information being presented to you. Wouldn't higher, that be pretty hypocritical so as, a, as a person who claims to be a higher level religion thinking. to be that arrogant? But, but, that, but that's what I'm going to say. Higher level thinking is not, everybody's not able, capable to do that higher level thinking. Is it really high level thinking though? Is that not common sense? Am I wild? Is that not common sense? Is that not obvious? Our primal nature, human, 
primal nature. If it's 10 people in a room, 10 pieces of bread, somebody's going to want two pieces and not be content with one. Mm. So the system is set up in different parts of the world to function a certain way. India, you know, they have a hundreds or thousands of gods or whatever they may believe in. But I mean, you know, the Asians, they, they, they believe in, in achieving peace, inner Zen, or, you know, you have your Hindus, you have your Buddhists, you have, you know, all the different um, religions, um, variations of, of, of religion that you have your um, Muslims, which are very similar to Christianity. It's just a foreign, it's just a cousin. They have their right. prophet. They just have really have different names. At the end of the right. world, um, and then you have your Egyptian who, you know, they've been phased out with the variation of Christianity. Um, they say predates Christianity. Um, but essentially, we all believe in one God or a higher power of God or how I'm sorry, a, a higher God. But if you promote it as such, it's frowned upon. So right. if you say Christianity, we believe in, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak to the universe and I'm sorry, if you say that you want to speak to the universe and um, receive an answer back um, in Christianity, they can be like, no, there's God, there's Jesus, there's, there, there, there's a Trinity. Um, the Muslims say, you know, Muhammad, you know, was the prophet and, you know, he spoke to the one God. He was, you know, the, the messenger, which sounds like Christianity to me, but, you know, Christianity, oh, you're speaking to a spirit. Oh, you're speaking to the one person? No, there are three people. So you're speaking to the universe. Mm -hmm. People have these arguments all the time, but I'm not going to dwell on that. But my point is, it doesn't deem for a good narrative for countries. America had to be based on Christianity or a number of different people coming together. Because if not, you have just one. Just one is like us against them. Us against them. Well, technically speaking, it's us against them. But these different religions coming together helps capitalism prosper. It builds the narrative that keeps the balance. These other religions help balance out what because if Christianity was it, we'd still be in the Middle Ages, going to war with everybody else, trying to make everybody assimilate to us. And, so so and let's it, stay there for and a it, second. And it work. Let's stay there for a second. Elaborate on the on on the thought you said that all of these religions coming together allows capitalism to work. Elaborate. Explain exactly what you mean by that. Well, that's an interesting point. Well, think back to the to the argument that we that you just had. I'm sorry, you had the argument that said. Capitalism is a beautiful thing. I'm not really sure why I was on the socialism kick, but I thought it was a good idea for, for a while. Yeah, it brings balance to capitalism because capitalism endlessly going, we'll eventually end up with one company. Because somebody, <laughs> somebody's at the top. Right. And mm, okay, I'm listening, I'm listening. So why wouldn't it? If capitalism keeps functioning the way it's supposed to, it's like a cancer. It starts to eat on itself. Look at what we have now. Amazon's trying to conquer everything. Microsoft has a hand in everything. 
Um, Apple's doing everything. Can you think about the cat? The oh, the only is I'm sorry. Can you think about the catastrophe if an automated car comes out and there are no more truck drivers on the road? How many economies are gonna is, is that gonna ripple through if nobody is if nobody's driving? How many cities? Right. You see what I'm saying? No jobs. But at, at that point, well, if, but mm, they're going to say that. But no, but they're going to say that different jobs are going to be created. Right. But I was going to say that sounds that sounds more like a socialistic society than anything else because if you if you if you're replacing humans with technology, then it sounds as though it sounds like the government, the money that the government would have spent on salaries will go towards. Investing in those technologies. These are corporations. Long term, these will be are. Cheaper. This is not the government. Well, then my thing is what I was saying. The point I was getting at is that somebody would have to start providing universal substance. Somebody would have to start giving the citizens a weekly or every two weeks or a monthly pay to supplement the fact that you know technology took took place in their jobs. Exactly. Somebody would have to take make up for exactly. that. Exactly. But you know what? That and that's why like, I would say that that's that's like why something that we don't do. That sounds like something that you don't. That sounds like something that we don't want. I, I think. I, I think that. I think that before we make the decision to try to make a, such a drastic shift in society, what you should you really consider what we're doing. You know what I mean. You should really consider the pros and cons Darnell, of this and figure out if it's really better. Are forecasting this right now. Pittsburgh has. I think Volvo has a contract doing automated testing in their city right now. You see what I'm saying? Um. They're putting automated trucks out in England. This stuff is real. This is coming down the pipeline. But we're not socialists. But we're going to be. Because capitalism is what's forcing... Like, for example, do you really have to drastically make these advancements? It sounds nice, like, yeah, I want automated cars, but it's going to make the road safer. Is it really? You see what I'm saying? So no, that's true. It's a catch I think, twenty-two, but only capitalism forces this because these corporations want to make more money. They have to have these profits. If they don't have these profits, they feel like oh, we're going to go under because mm-hmm. because the investors have these expectations. So capitalism is driving and causing the same thing that we're cannibalizing on ourselves. If you are a private corporation and you are making a steady income. And, and, and you had steady growth. Life would be different. Like Costco and Walmart. Costco. They, you know, they pay their, you know, employees a decent wage. They're, you know, they, they're happy with steady growth. Walmart, they want it all. They want to take on Amazon. We're mm-hmm. going to do, you know, we're going to have everything under the sun. We're going to be able to, for example, um, deliver packages like Amazon does because we just need more, more, more market share. We have to have it. That's, that's capitalism. But at what rate? At what cost? That's why you have a whole sect of people that are against the machine. Essentially, the matrix is what's going to occur. It's, it's <laughs> at the rate that we're... No, no. I mean, but we, we joke about it, but... Think about what corporations are talking about right now. 
their R&D is investing thousands, I'm sorry, millions of dollars into AI technology. We have Alexa. You know, we have Siri, Cortana. It's coming down the pipeline. And when you're not in control of it, what happens then? All it takes is, I mean, this is long, long issue situation, but you're just building a monster that you don't know where the end's going to be because you have to make more money. And socialism is frowned upon. My my thing is this, though. Now, it's uh, I wouldn't say obvious. I wouldn't say obvious, but it's clear that the, that things that the tide is shifting, that things are changing, right? Long term okay. speaking, when when the, when things inevitably do shift, and mm-hmm. people are impacted nev- negatively by the shift, will the system would it be would it be fair to blame the system if you knew that this is something that is cyclical and that you knew that this is something that was bound to happen, and you didn't prepare for it? Would it be fair to blame the system in that situation? Wouldn't the people be the ones to blame? Because the reason why I ask that question is because I feel like something like that is inevitable. I think it's going to get to a point where, of course, people are going to continuously blame the shift in structure and not blame themselves for not human recognizing nature. and taking action human on the nature. shift. That's human nature. Greed. At our core, and I, I like to joke around and say our primal instincts. Our primal instincts are I want more. I want yours. I want to lay more pipe. I want all the women. All of these things are held in place by Christianity or the principles of, of which Christianity are. Because, you know, anarchy is what people say, oh, well, we'll, we'll just have anarchy if we don't have, God, um, if, if we don't have um, religion. But religion, all of these things, in more, too much of any one of these things causes us to have disaster. So balance or a constant struggle, I think, is necessary um, to help prevent self-destruction, which still might be inevitable. I don't know if I answered your question properly, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm weak because I, I was trying to figure out if, if you if you um, answered the question properly or not. But what I will say is. You you said that 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 does still bring up an interesting point. You said balance is necessary, or constant struggle is necessary to avoid self destruction. Yeah. So we've 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 hit on a lot of issues. We've hit on the religion, different things about religion, um, capitalism, socialism, um, <sighs> we were talking about people getting uh, picked on. And just just survival skills, essentially. Mm-hmm. What is going to make you maintain a balance? There's 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 no thing that makes you say, okay, only the strongest survives, only the smartest survives. I mean, you if there's no balance, just because he's bigger than you, and he can bash your skull in, makes him the person that deserves to. Be king? What about the smartest person? Because I can maintain all, all of our resources. You mm-hmm. know? But then there's religion. Well, God says that we should did it up. Your God, my God. And the struggle, I said, or the balance, 
is essentially what's going to prevent self-destruction. Hopefully. That that makes sense. That's, that makes a little more sense to me now. Yeah, because is that similar? Um, that's similar to the um, I forgot or, where in the Bible America, the story is. Or America, in in essence. In what way? I mean, well, let me be more clear. America is designed to be a melting pot of people. Even though we act the way we act, the mantra is maintained because. You have a melting pot of people, different religions, um, financial statuses, and the one thing that makes us different is anybody can go from poor to rich and rich to poor. It's a you 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 can go get it. That's what makes us different than everybody else. Of course, we have our other hangups in between, but essentially, that's what makes us different. Nah, I think it's funny because it, living in America, sometimes you take you take it for granted because it's so. <laughs> I guess that speaks to how easy it is sometimes, even though even though as a black man, there's obvious threats on your life every day. Yeah. But outside of that, I'd rather not wake up. I'd rather not wake up and think about that every single day. You know that like, I'd rather not wake up. And I don't think, think about, about it. I mean, yeah, I'd rather not wake up and wrestle in the negative every single day. I'd rather not invite that energy into my life. But of course, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not being unrealistic or being facetious when I say that. Mm-hmm. What I. What I. What I. What I'm referring to is, I think it's so easy in America to forget how good we're living, and I yes. recommend everybody to constantly, constantly, even if it's once a week, just just watch or, li- or read or listen to some world news, <laughs> because that's when you start to appreciate what you have popular. in America. It's not popular. The only thing that we it's care not... about is our southern border, which is not even a real, real, issue. real threat. I mean, it's. It's no different now than it was. You know what's crazy about ago. the southern border? The real issue at the border is the is 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 Mexico's southern border. Mexico's getting the blame for saying that they all of their people are, are migrating to the US and causing disruption when in actuality it's people coming from Central America into Mexico in the first place that they're trying to curb. They're trying to stop that issue on their own. I'm gonna but give you course, a perfect example because if we're gonna go down the political road, I'm gonna give you a perfect example of foolishness. We can, we can go down, reach the dead end, and turn right back because I don't really know too much, but I'm listening. Okay, but common sense. Let's use some common sense. Everybody feels that somebody's bringing some crime or whatever. What you can carry in a backpack, I don't know how that's a real threat. But right, the people in England on an island feel that the immigrants are gonna to come to their country from Africa. Think about that. That's what Brexit is. We are voting to disconnect ourselves from Europe because the immigrants are coming into the country, bringing, bringing their problems and their um, their war with them. Or so what for, you're saying is, which is my, sorry to cut you off, what yeah. you're saying is part of the reason why um, Brexit is a thing is that Britain doesn't want, or Britain wants it to make it harder for African migrants to come into Britain once they've reached Europe? People feel that a group of people on foot with backpacks leaving adverse circumstances are going to bring their problems and make crime worse in their area as a refugee in their country. Now, you know what's crazy? England has less space than us. Right. 
but they're an island. How are they going to get there? Explain to me how they're going to get there. You have a <laughs> you have a fear of missing out. Just like America. So the reason why I brought up Brexit is look at look at us. We're we're repeating history months after on something that we have more land than we know what to do with. We have more country that we can use. On a country built by immigrants, this is the dumbest argument I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> from a, I mean, from a from a political perspective, um, it sounds good. It it's a great campaign to run on. Clearly, our current president ran on it, and it builds a fear that I believe is not there. That's no different than any other point in time, especially based on the fact that we're a country full of immigrants. And we function because there's a lower, a a lower echelon of people. So all these empty cities we got, all these places, you know, that are unoccupied, we're scared that these people are going to go live in these places, build up our cities, you know, pick our fruit, build build our buildings, take our jobs. When we didn't want to do it in the first place, that's exactly. You know, you know, it's funny to, to stay on your, your point about um the whole Brexit thing and you know them yeah. fearing African migrants coming to Britain. The situation, this, I forgot, I forgot the German prime minister's name, but it was a, there was a, a very famous prime minister in Germany. She was, a, she was a woman. I don't even oh. know if that makes sense, but you Thank understand well, Mer- what I'm Merkel. saying. Her name was Merkel. Right, right. That's the name. You hit it on the nail. What's the first name? Repeat it again. And, and Angela Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel. All right, so Angela Merkel, she's the prime minister. Is that the, is that the right term for the office, or is it president? She's the prime minister, prime minister of Germany, and she's very popular amongst the German people. I'm not sure if she's still prime minister, but if I'm not, if she is, her term is going to end very very soon. Um, I think I have to give you the prime minister of England. Um, prime minister, you know what's so crazy? I watch this stuff day in and day out. Um, I, I think it might be Merkel. Now you're right. You're right. It's Angela Merkel. Okay. You're right. And she's and she's currently still prime minister, which means her term is going to end in about. Theresa May is the prime minister of England. I'm sorry. Of England, right? That is that's that's prime minister of England, Theresa May. But the reason why I bring up Angela Merkel is because she's very popular among the German people. Mm-hmm. She she helped Germany through a lot of different problems and struggles that other prime ministers in the past couldn't have. Correct. And on top of all of that, she is a woman doing all of this. But one particular issue is what caused Germany to turn on her. And what happened is there was an issue with Somalia. I want to say it was Somali refugees. And if it wasn't Somalia, it was an Af- another African country. Don't quote me on it. Just do your research on it. But what I'm saying is facts. There was a, there was an issue with a, um, a particular African country. And the argument across the entire European continent was we don't want these Africans to come to our country. And no country, every country closed their doors to these Africans. But and Angela Merkel took it upon herself to open the doors of Germany, open the gates of Germany and say, come into our country. You are welcome. Like America as soon, did. As, exactly. And as soon as that happened. They turned on her. Not, not, not even that. As soon as it happened, there was a, it was a, a robbery or something. Or a robbery of some nature happened. And the people that were described yeah. in the robbery were the people from the African country. And. It just so happens that the media was able to play on the emotions of the entire country, use that one incident, that one incident, may or to may, now may or may not shift their perspective of Angela. 
Right, and we don't, exactly, exactly. Most importantly, we don't even know if it was true. We don't even know if that robbery really happened. We don't even know if the robbery were indeed those Somali immigrants that came to Germany. But I just find it very interesting how across the world, the problem of immigration, the problem of countries accepting other migrants into their into their um, into a foreign land, causes division amongst political parties. Nationalism is a thing globally now. It's on this me, us, mind. It's a thing. Now, because we're foreigners in America, so to speak, we're a, we're a lot more um, accepting of immigrants coming to a country. But everybody wants to paint them in a, in a, in a bad light. Most economies that accept immigrants generally do pretty well historically speaking but you're talking right. about but you're also talking about ignorant people making emotional decisions most people that are saying these people are coming and taking our jobs etc etc generally have had very little if any experience with immigrants and or they've never gone outside their country or they have no knowledge of, of true economics. It's an emotional, psychological play. Not a well, fact. When it comes play. to the majority of the majority of economics, or the majority of just like the way people respond to things is emotional slash behavioral. Yeah, most people aren't systematic. I mean, like it's really a lot of a lot of decisions we make as human beings are are based off emotion and how we're feeling in that current moment. Yes. So it's even it's even worse when you're not making those decisions and choices an emotional emotionally decision. with no with no real evidence to back it up or just in ignorance. Correct. So ignorance is the biggest thing. Making an emotional decision is not always the problem. I can make an emotional decision and say, "Hey man, you're visiting me. Get the hell out of my house." That's an emotional decision. It still doesn't have to make it permanent. You know what I'm saying? That's a reaction. Get out. All right, man. Look, I'm sorry. I said that out of emotion. That's ignorant for me to say. I'm sorry. Come on back in the house. You're not really leaving. We just had a you know a little scuffle. You see what I'm saying? That's what educated people do. <laughs> people that have exposure. Um, and even worse, the educated people are playing on the emotions of the uneducated people. And that's why you have these situations where there are leaders of countries playing on the emotions, manipulating people to make these emotional decisions. You see what I'm saying? Right. I so, understand what you mean. So that's, that's why it works well. And it's a constant narrative. It, I mean, it doesn't help it that there's a narrative going, you know, internationally of nationalism you know us first even though we're a global society that's well do, do you really think that there's a sense of nationalism in this country yeah well yeah. now more than ever actually now that yeah. I, now that after it's not until after i answered that question that i answered not until after i asked that question that i just answered it right yeah. away. now now more than ever because originally but prior to prior to this presidency i didn't i didn't i felt like america well, thank God, I'm from New York, so it's different. But it just felt like a melting pot to me. It felt more like a melting pot. It felt more yeah, like a place like are, that. You guys are um, 
it just I feels mean, like a place that people come and they just take advantage of the opportunities here and go back to their home country. That's what. But not till not, not till Trump won. Be. Right, not till America, not till Trump won, it's really hard to see people who like, generations of their family have have been born in America start to come out of the woodworks and express their American nationalism, and American pride. I call it the last hurrah because more than ever, you have a generation of people that feel disenfranchised, um, and they feel like victims. When it's technically speaking, capitalism that did them under. The evolution of you know techno you know technology coming into play, that's what did them under. Things changed, you didn't change, or corporations pulled out, did whatever. But that's you're just a victim of the circumstance. You need somebody to blame. You're hurting, mm -hmm. so I'm gonna tap into your emotion and get you to rally behind me. Obama might have been a bad guy, for example. I mean, because Trump did something. Obama did something similar. Obama could have been a bad guy. But he was able to tap into the emotion to say, yes, you can um, hope. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, Obama was selling hope. Yeah. Now, you woke up the next day as a black man like, oh, man, things are different. But things really aren't different. If Obama changed the circumstance for a black man, all he did was enable a black man to feel that I can achieve something that I never thought I could achieve. Right, but that that in itself is powerful because what what, what I my, my main thing with the Obama presidency is that for people around my age, right, when Obama when I, when Obama was first elected into office, that was two thousand eight, so mm -hmm. the inauguration was in two thousand nine, and I was in seventh grade at the time. Damn, that was ten years ago. Wow, I was in seventh grade at the time, and yep. for those people. I want to say so from people from about sixth grade to twelfth grade. Yep. Right. When Obama was first elected, if you were in a, from anywhere from sixth to twelfth grade, when he was first elected for that first quarter, not first quarter for his you first. You had term, a hope that we had never imagined. Right. You probably don't even understand half of the policies that he put did or did not put in place during that time. But what you saw was a black man at the highest office in the world. And Correct. all that did, all that in itself gave you enough hope. It inspired you enough to say, me as a black person, I can do anything, anything that I put my mind to. So that in itself yes, is sir. more powerful than any policy that any politician can do for you. Because that's right there, being a, 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 being a, a tangible, a physical, a, a real inspiration to a whole generation of people who don't even understand what you're doing or the magnitude of what you're doing or who probably won't even understand it right away. That's yep. big. That's big. So that in itself, anybody that makes an argument that he didn't help black people directly or anybody that makes an argument that he's a bad person or anybody that makes the argument that he was such a good politician and, and neglects that simple we fact, that in itself no is enough. Clue. Um, so, fact. Most people will not see an immediate benefit, positive, I'm sorry, benefit or consequence of a president till that person gets out of office generally speaking i mean obama did health care so that was an immediate thing um trump did the tax the tax plan change that's an immediate but most people what they're signing every day in all those years that they're in office we will never see the immediate reaction of, of benefit or consequence so we have no clue so what you're talking about is a tangible that we can feel 
that that you felt as 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 a child growing up i mean it was it was amazing but in all actuality in real life did it really change anything for us so i went out and i said this in a barbershop because we say all these things so i i was pitching this question the black community felt you know we were you know down in obama for his first term or period of his second term he never did anything for us so i said in all honesty you as a black man black person in america what are your expectations for the president for the black community what do you want from him and personally the one thing i wanted was a judicial system change out of the systemic racism that we have like when you're trained you don't think that if two guys are standing in a room the black guy is probably the negative connotation thought and the white guy is i think the feds so that's the only thing i could think of nobody else could tell me what they wanted from a black president for black people even though we <laughs> criticize even though we like to criticize him and say he didn't do nothing for us what did you want if you had no I expectation i'm gonna give you whatever i feel like whatever i think like so so i guess I guess it's important to tell people to always... Well, then again, it's funny because a lot of times people will tell you not to have expectations when you go into certain situations in life. But that right there in itself shows you that you should have at least some level of expectation so that you can hold somebody or hold whatever situation that you're getting into to a certain standard. Caucasian, white America, um, if you ask Hispanic demographic, um, Asian demographic... They're going to tell you what they want. And I'm almost positive I can list off one thing from each of those, from each and every community. I can probably list off what they want. And you would be like, well, probably. You know, Asians, they want preference when it comes to entrance into education, probably. Muslims, they probably want um, religious reform or some form of. Um, um, preference when it comes to the way that they're treated um, as a religious body. I mm -hmm. mean, the Jewish community, you know, they they always want reparations or whatever they want. They they've pretty much gotten what they want consistently. Um, I mean, and what America wants is generally what white America wants. They want to pay less taxes. Um, they want, you know, they want us to to feel, you know, they want to feel safe. You know, basically, whatever America is going for is generally what white America generally wants. Most times. Notice, Hispanic America, they want immigration reform. So they're not ostracized for being Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Other countries know what they want from us. We don't know what we want. From, we didn't know what we wanted from our black president. And we still don't know what we want, technically speaking. We want more <laughs> from ourselves than we want from the president. I mean, I want us as a people to strive better 
to invest within our own community, invest in our own education system. But we like to be everybody else, so that's not exactly going to work very well. Why do you think it is that we like to be everybody else? It's where, I mean, being us hasn't been exactly uh, the most positive experience that, that, that you can live. I mean, being black in America means that, like I said, two guys are in a room, the cop walks in, the black guy feels like he did something wrong, whether he's done anything or not. And right. the cop looks at him like he's the perp, whether he did something or not. Mm-hmm. And and the white guy can be a homeless dude, but he feels he has more rights than the guy that pays taxes. And so that's a, so how do we and, now? And, and that's a regular day. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is a regular day. That's, that's a regular day. That's a regular day. Your brother. All right. So you walking down Jamaica Avenue. You coming up a block. Let's say it's an empty street. Cops on the other end of the block. You're walking up the block. You walk up the block. The cops gonna look at you. He's gonna assess who you are. Granted, it's in the job description. But you're gonna feel like, did I do something wrong? The first reaction that you have to see in the cop. If you are a white male, you would feel like, why is this dude even looking at me? Or you feel like, hey man, how you doing? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> hey man, how you doing? How you doing? That's facts though. Like it's a regular dude. Growing up, it's like you feel like you're the victim. I mean, now you're the victim. You're, you know, you're the perpetrator. Whether you've done anything, you gotta walk out your front door. You feel like you, you, you feel like you did something wrong as soon as you see a um, person in uniform. That's growing up black in America. Right. That's the system. So, 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 because what what it sounds like to me is that the system is more of a mental thing than it is a, a physical system. Oh, it gets to real. Stop us. Oh, but come on, no. Ex- outside of the criminal justice system, of course. But 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 that's a major factor. That can affect everything. No, but that that's only I feel like that's only a major factor if you had to if you had to live a certain lifestyle. Not everybody has to live that lifestyle, so therefore that they're oblivious to the issues that the criminal justice system has and how that can in itself how people can get get, get caught up in that vicious cycle in themselves. For some people, that's that's not even a factor for them. You're they right. don't even think about that because they don't have to live that factor. lifestyle. Um, and so we touched on culture a lot earlier in this conversation. The culture enables us to look past it. Because we have this a pride, we don't feel we don't feel um, that they have the right to look down on us. We look down on them because we have a pride about us. If you don't have that pride or something to draw from, what are you going to feel? Mm. You you don't feel like this doesn't apply to me. You don't feel like ah, uh, I'm over here. I, I don't have to live in fear. Now, there are exceptions to every rule. There, there are black people that don't have to feel this way. There are black people that will never experience the stuff that we're talking about. You know, they don't feel like they're um, psychologically oppressed. But a vast majority are. And a vast majority do feel this way. That's how we sidestep it. 
as a culture. And to jump on the religious aspect, why the black community had the church is because their pride came from their community through their church. Now that you're less connected to your church and your community, what do you have? They're just lost. They're wandering. So I've connected a lot of dots. Now you see why we have um, issues trying to get to the um, core of who we are. Matter of fact, so I'm going to give you a couple of points. I don't know if you're going to be able to keep 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 all the conversation that we're having, but this but these points are some things that I feel will help people, um, particularly. Well, no, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who you are. Black, brown, purple, white, yellow, green. It doesn't matter. These, mm-hmm. these, these traits, if you strive to improve on or apply to your life, will get you where you need to be in spite of however you were raised. Let's hear them. Um, first of all, we are here to serve. Giving feels better than taking, unlike popular belief. Preparation for everything is necessary. It doesn't really matter what it is. I prepared for this conversation that we're having right now. I was running different editions through my head. The conversation may go this way, this way, or this way. Um, But I said after our last interview that I was going to be verbally more on point. Um, I would stutter less. I would do this, this, and this. And I have a speech. (laughs) and, And I stutter. I have a speech issue. My, my daughter has the same speech issue, but I said that I was going to be better prepared. Um, and, and that you have. Yeah. So um, immerse yourself in the content of whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to learn. If you want to be the best, you know, if you want to be a window washer, figure out or learn about being a window washer. Act like you own the windows on this building. Be the best that you can be or look at who's the best or what do you think would make you the best? Because it may be uncharted territory. You don't necessarily have to be always looking up at somebody. But assess the situation and say, this would be better. And if you're not looking to be better or maintain some level of excellence, you will find yourself forever being mediocre. People give all these kind of renditions and quotes and memes online but it's real look at other people that do good at whatever it is that you're about to um, be involved in or that you're going to be doing your day-to-day activity um we're here to serve um immerse yourself in your content your faith i think faith is a very crucial thing um people are being more atheist or agnostic in this day and age, but they still believe in the universe. People believe in a one in in that there's a God out there, something bigger than us. Um, not criminal to think that way. I mean, the way the the the, the way religion has treated um, people, I don't really think people in religion have a right to judge anybody that feels that religion is worth their time and energy. 
um, even though I am a um, believer, um, Christian believer. But I don't blame people for how they feel based on the way they've been treated and they've been served. Right. Um, but faith in something is a necessary um, um, trait to, to me, be successful. There is something bigger. I don't think this is all luck. Um, faith helps you when you have no hope. Um, and if you rely on it um, and prepare, I think, nothing. I know from personal experiences, it, something, I feel that God will provide you with an opportunity, a situation to get you out or through not out because you never always think things aren't going to go the way you think they are, but right. get you where you need to be, whether you plan to be in that situation or not. So, and giving, it's not like you're just taking from the universe. By your striving to give, you're 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 going to feel a reward, um, and not feel like a sense of guilt because you necessarily you ask for something but you never give so you know do you feel guilty for the situation that just transpired um your faith you're here to serve um situations make you smarter so wisdom is something that a necessary trait um so you get a little bit smarter from your last circumstance um you learn a lot or you should assess what you what what are your takeaways from the last thing that you did that, did that was wrong your mistake. So wisdom is is something um, that you should develop by going through your circumstance or or different situations or pray for because I pray for wisdom. It's one of the things that I pray for, um, and I speak about it. I, I write about it, um, and. Preparation, or I, I, I did um, preparation, but character, yeah. character is something that you mm. need. Um, principles that that you rely on, you have to have some kind of cornerstone. Um, you know, I rely on honesty. I don't have to worry about being honest because I'm. I always strive to be honest, um, and that helps me not worry about a lot of things. I tell people the world is round. Um, I meet people. Every day I say things to people. I have a lot of conversation. If you strive to be, to have some form of character, some form of principle, um, be a man of your word, a person of your word, I should say, you don't have to worry about a lot of the others, a lot of the other gibberish that life throws at you. Um, people will know you to be consistent. People will trust you. People can read what you're giving out. So they'll treat you as such. And more than likely, you'll have more positive situations happen to you, even if somebody tries to do you dirty. Mm. So I think that covers, you know, everything. Oh, and all of these things will help you get through adverse situations. Your faith, 
Um, I can't tell you how many times I've started my day you know, thinking, I need this. Um, it may not be money. It, you know, sometimes it is money. Sometimes I just need a deal to go through or I need this, you know, something else to just to happen. And, you know, the preparation gets you to be able to deal with what you're being thrown at when it doesn't go the way you thought it would. Um, the wisdom helps you to, you know, apply other circumstances, you know, and, and your faith will carry you through or your belief. So all of these are traits that um, I think are necessary to achieve success and help you to uh, achieve your goals. So there you go. That's just not, I can't, I can't say I disagree with any of them. Yeah. And, and, and I'm an advocate of, I've, I'm doing my best to share based on my experience. So I'm not saying, you know, stuff that I just read in a book. This is stuff that, I mean, I can give you stories from a week ago. You know, I can, <laughs> from, you know, this is Sunday. I can tell you some stories from Friday. Things that you don't plan to happen a certain way. Things that can go completely wrong um, in business, in marriage, in life. It's just these these principles, traits, things that you strive for will help you through. And not one of one of them alone is not going to do it. Everybody say, "Well, I only do well." You know, I'm big on this. It's a compilation of everything. And if you can't realize that it it all rolls into one and all the dots connect, which is why I kind of I kind of talk like I'm scatterbrained, but I'm really trying to explain the different levels and where the dots connect from all these different circumstances to get you to the result that you want to achieve. When, you know, people sometimes, you know, people try to give you just one dimension, there are multiple dimensions, and at the end of it all, you can do everything right and disasters still occur, mm -hmm. but it's probably, but it might be long-term what you needed to experience to prepare you for something else further down the road. Whether you like it or not. I agree. And so, that's, that's the reality of life. Things constantly happening to prepare you for what's coming next. There you go. So LeBron shooting the bank shot was a compilation of a number of different things that he's practiced thousands, hundreds of times, like you said. But it may not have been that particular shot but it's all connected. It's all connected in some way. Let's let's get out of here on this point. Since since you brought up LeBron, who do you think is going to win tonight, Team Giannis or Team LeBron? <sighs> Let me look at the roster again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do this roster again. Uh, because my beef is still: Are they going to play defense? Um, they played a little bit of defense last year. No. Nah, well, you know, you know, you know what it is too. You know what it is too. It's it's, it's you gotta you gotta factor in that these are. Well, even even when it was the thing is, it's a lot. It's a lot more when with this new format of the All Star Game, the game is a lot more balanced. E so defense is kind of inevitable. In the or like league. them or them not being able to score as much points. 
oh, them, you know, on. having like a certain cap is inevitable. Don't know. These dudes are the best of the best out of the NBA. People got snubbed off this list that are still great players. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry is not a captain, and I think that's because it's in his hometown, so he can have time to do what he wants to do. But, <laughs> nah, it's, captains are captains are decided based on who gets the most votes, okay, most, the, the most fan votes. But okay. that is a good point, though. Yeah, but I say all that to say, I don't care if you put all the seven footers on one team and all the, the six foot guys on one team; they win based on who's playing defense. If you ask me, and they don't want to, and they wasn't trying to play no defense. It, I mean, it's it it's so bad. I don't think I've watched in about two years, because I think two years ago I was like, this is just terrible. Nah, last year was a pretty good game. I like I like I like last year's game. I actually enjoyed last year's game. I'm telling you, you should watch. <sighs> what nine o'clock? How about tonight? this? What what this is now nah, comes on at eight. Take a little nap, watch the game, and afterwards text me how you feel about the game, and I'll put money you would have been disappointed. Shoot. I mean, personally, let's see. I'm going to put my dark horse out there. I think the Joker, Jokic. Joker. Yeah. From the Denver Denver Nuggets? From the the Nuggets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he goes by Joker. But he's um Jokic. I I think he has the best potential to be a um MVP. Unpopular, but mm. if you see what he does, he he can drop fifty tonight. I don't know about dropping fifty. He could probably he could probably get you about fifteen assists in a game like this though. He have you ever seen him play? I have, yeah. I, I, okay, I watched okay, the Nuggets okay. play. I went to actually went to a Nuggets Nets game a couple weeks ago. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you do more than me. <laughs> but I mean, he gets it in. It, I don't know. Something said to me last night, like, yeah, he's the unlikely person that could wreak some havoc. If we're talking about MVP odds, I think I'm, I'm putting my I'm putting my money on on Giannis. I think Giannis is going to win MVP tonight. Yeah, he's due. But the problem is, he doesn't shoot. He doesn't need to. Shaq didn't shoot either. Okay. Well, you're I'm right. I'm telling you, Giannis is, Giannis is winning MVP today. Okay. Uh, all depends on who gets hot. I want to see some defense. I'll let you know by halftime. <laughs> well, no, I take I take that back because halftime is when halftime is when is 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 when they get serious. Right, half, by the by the second half, that's the game is going to be a different. It's going to be intense by the second half. Yeah, second half they'll take it serious. But you know, you want to watch the entertainment the first half. But I don't think they they never turned it on the last time, and that's what really ticked me off. I'm like, listen, I want to see the, I want to see some competition. That was that was two years ago. They didn't turn it on. And that's when they re- the NBA realized that this is not going to work. We got to do something, and this is what they gave us, and and it's been working. Okay, well, I appreciate your reference, and let's see how this goes. All right, guys, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the King Bentley Podcast. It was greatly appreciated. Make sure you continue to spread the word and um, share the podcast with your friends and neighbors and close family members and things of that nature. Don't forget to subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and on Google Play.
I'll catch y'all next week. That's it for the King Billy Podcast.